Now, let me preface by saying something that I feel is really important that your listeners understand. I do not hate the church and I do not hate Christianity or Christians. I do not. I don't hate anyone in, in all honesty. I just really don't. It's just not what I believe is going the way it was originally intended. Welcome to Positively Joy, where you'll find God in the everyday, through everyday blessings, everyday happiness, and even everyday sorrow. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. Here, we look for God in the commonplace, and we find His joy in the details. Listen at PositivelyJoy.com, where you can get a free teachable on five ways to choose joy, and review us on your favorite podcast app. This upcoming conversation with Corey Asuncion is different. Different for this podcast, that is. Corey has fallen away from the church, and she has good reasons. But as a Christian, I thought it would be interesting to see what Christians, church-going Christians, and believers who don't believe in the church can learn from each other. Here's Corey now. So thank you for being on the show, Corey. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for asking me to be here. I appreciate you, and I'm thankful that you, you know, have me on. Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're really thankful. So let's talk about you a little bit. So you're a podcaster, mm-hmm. you're a mom of seven, seven mm-hmm. of your own. I know you said mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you bake fabulously. Mm-hmm. You would say that you bake and you I bake and cook. Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah, bake yeah. and cook amazingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you believe in God, what I would call God, you believe in a divine creator, mm-hmm. but you no longer go to church and you no longer feel a connection to Christianity. And I think that's interesting. And that's, why I wanted to share your story today with our listeners. Mm -hmm. So first, let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay, so I am a 47-year-old mother to seven children. Yes, I gave birth to all of them. I usually get asked that. It's not a a blended family. Um, I have four grandsons, so I'm also a grandmother. And I have been with my partner since 1994, so almost 26 years. Is that right? I lose the math sometimes. <laughs> I'm also a, a homeschool mom. I've been homeschooling all of my children. Uh, gosh, feels like the dawn of time. So I have my, I have two more left to graduate. The rest of them all, have all graduated from home. Congratulations and on that. <laughs> thank you very much. Not easy. Uh, in addition to that, I have the podcast. That's not proper. And that kind of developed out of, well, getting to that point where my kids didn't need me as much anymore. But I am also still a live-in caregiver. So I still have my hands quite full. And that's where, well, obviously I met you at the PodFest and um, I heard your story on your podcast, That's Not Proper, which is a great name, by the way. I'm on all podcast platforms anywhere. You can also find me at my website, that's thatsnotproper.com, and you can listen directly from there. I'm also on all the social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and it's That's Not Proper for all of them. I've made it quite easy. <laughs> great, great. And so I listened to your podcast, and particularly I listened to an episode that talks about why you left the church, but you told a little bit about yourself. And um, so, you, so we know you cook and you bake, mm-hmm. but you make challah bread, mm-hmm. which is a bread that many might associate with Judaism. And in fact, I have a guest coming up who uses her making of the, of the challah bread in a kind of a prayerful right. um, ritual that she does. So, so you do that. You don't disparage the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you do say again, you believe in a divine creator. So tell us what you believe and how that has changed through the years and why. 
Well, it's interesting. Um, when you had sent me a few questions, just prepping me for today, I was really considering what I believe. And for me, it's very fluid. And now don't confuse that with a wave being tossed to and fro. Fluid in the sense of, you know, when you find out some information and you make a assumption or a guess or an opinion or a belief based on that information. And then later on, you find some more. And so you go, oh, wait, I kind of have to change what I understand or believe now. And for me, mm -hmm. I kind of look at my belief similar to that. There's a fluidity to it where I have found out more things. I'm coming to a greater understanding, whether that be just in knowledge and then therefore wisdom or spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And so I believe that my uh, beliefs kind of have been fluid over the past, I would say, maybe eight to 10 years. I do believe in a divine creator. Now, other people will call him God. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with that. It's just my preference. There's a lot of words that I have used over the course of my life of being in the church. I was raised in it. Um, I went to church for many, many years. I was a youth leader. I was very deeply embedded in every facet you could possibly imagine of the church and Christianity. And there was a lot of words that have been used. And I think, honestly, those that even associate themselves with Christianity probably have an understanding of what I'm talking about that kind of get used in a way that is thrown, you know, kind of willy-nilly and not necessarily having a very deep understanding of their origins. And mm. so for even just someone who doesn't have a connection to the church, the word love, for example, we say, oh, I love that, or I love you. And do we really mean that? Do you really mean that you're going to lay down your life? Because that's what that means to me. I'm going to lay down my life. The, the breath that I take is actually for you and for the whole of society. Do we really mean that? Nah, maybe we don't really mean that. And so mm -hmm. a lot of my journey has been gaining a greater understanding of the origins of words that are in the book. And so one of those is the word God, I think, is thrown around. And I do believe he is the divine creator. And even in the sense of he, we always attribute God as a he. I don't know. And I'm not necessarily saying he's a she. It would probably be better to refer to him as a they or them just because he's a spirit. So here I'm mm -hmm. still saying he. So it's something, like I said, is fluid for me. I'm gaining understanding and I'm trying to evolve in that understanding. Mm -hmm. So yes, I believe in a divine creator. I know for a fact that each person on this planet was divinely created by a creator who has a path laid out for them that no human on this planet knows or understands but the creator and that person. And I firmly believe that. And what I experienced over the course of my time being in the church in Christianity is a regulation of that, is, was judgment. And so I had to take a step back and go, wait a second, he has created me perfectly. Mm. That doesn't mean I always behave perfectly. Okay. <laughs> but he has created me perfectly. I have a direct connection to my creator, spiritually, emotionally. And that means that he has also given me the tools. I may not grab those correct tools, 
-hmm. but he's giving me the tools that I need to find out what this path is that he has created for me. And right, so those right. things, you know, I, I'll believe. You know that much of what you've just said and much of what you believe is, is very similar to what I believe as a Christian. It's very similar to what I believe. Um, the things that you have said sound very familiar to me. Um, I would not dispute those things at all. Mm-hmm. You grew up in the Lutheran church mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, there were some concerns that you had about that and it ultimately led to you leaving the church and, mm-hmm. ha- and, and, and even before you left the church, leaving to go to another church and having some different experiences. Mm-hmm. So tell us, tell us what happened. Tell us why you left the church. So I feel like I need to give a little backstory. Uh, my parents brought me into the church when I was probably around the age of six and they were going through a major life shift. You know, they're hippies. And, you know, so there was a lot of change there and they were having some issues and someone said, you need God. And that's where they went. And obviously I would follow suit because I'm their child and I was only about six years old. And at the time I had a brother and he uh, was one. And so we began at this uh, church, a Lutheran church. And then by the time I was about eight, I was actually not only involved in the church and the youth programs that they had there, but I also went to school there. So Mm -hmm. I was very involved. All my sports and activities in and outside of school in general were very much church related and church people centered. Yes. That continued through high school, except for in high school, I went to a public school. I didn't, the, the school at that time didn't have a private Christian school. I had a few years at a public school, one brief year of a stint at a Christian school, and I absolutely despised it and returned (laughs) to the public school. Shortly after graduating high school, I got pregnant. And and by shortly, I mean, I I don't know, a week, maybe two weeks after, and I got pregnant. And Mm -hmm. uh, my first baby was born in 1992, a few months before I turned 19 years old. So I giving that backstory to give an idea of what, where I came from and then where it led to. Mm -hmm. So lots of different things occurred between here and there. And then around 1994, I meet my partner. We meet actually at a church and it was because both of our siblings were involved in a youth group and they are the same age. And we had been helping out at this youth group. And three weeks later, we ran off to Reno. (laughs) and eloped. (laughs) And I've been with that same person since 1994. We knew each other for three weeks, ran off to Reno and eloped. We we then were in the church, no longer in the Lutheran church. Part of the reason why I left the Lutheran church was just because my parents did. It it wasn't anything uh, huge. We moved out of the city that we lived in to another city. And so they started attending a different church. And so I went to that church for a period of time. I was kind of in and out of it because I had moved out of the house and I lived significantly a significant distance away. And so I wasn't Mm -hmm. there as consistently, but I would help out with the youth uh, junior high and high school programs. And a lot of that again, had to do with the fact that I had a brother who was in those programs as well. Meet my partner. Uh, We run off to Reno. We elope. That was 1994. Almost killed one another, you know, because the first year of marriage is a nightmare anyhow. And we just kind of had it compounded with not really knowing each other. And During this time, though, however, we were still in 
a church. Now, the type of church we were in was very conservative. And it's something that, in all honesty, I'm still, if I, if I were to ever return to church, it would probably still be a conservative church. And, and that- Really? Why is that? Well, here's what I mean by conservative. I should probably, you know, qualify that statement. I prefer things like uh, teaching straight from the word. Mm-hmm. I appreciate personal experience, but I feel like that's not for this time. I, when I mean this time, I mean Sunday morning service. Uh, I am old school in the sense of how we break bread. And so the type of service for breaking bread was done separately from regular church. It was done every week, which is something Mm -hmm. in churches now they don't do that anymore. In addition to that, I am... Our household plays music constantly, and I will listen to absolutely everything. I don't have a favorite. We have reggae and Jawaiian and Hawaiian and R&B and, you know, old school rock. But in church, I like hymns. Old mm. school, play the hymns. I'd prefer if there was no music. So when I say conservative, that's kind of what I mean. So the, the band's playing and the guitar's playing and everybody jumping up and down, that's just not my jam. So when mm. I say conservative, that's kind of what I mean. Understood. Got that. Okay. Not that those other <laughs> churches that, you know, that, 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 that's bad necessarily just wasn't my jam. So yeah. I, I, I would, I really wasn't into that. So there's so much I'm trying to make sure I don't speak for forever. Um, so we are in a church and this is where some troubles began. Now, let me preface by saying something that I feel is really important that your listeners understand. I do not hate the church. And I do not hate Christianity or Christians. I do not. I don't hate anyone in in all honesty. I just really don't. It's just not what I believe is going the way it was originally intended. Mm -hmm. And so that being said, (laughs) we were at a church where the regulation of its people was severe. There was actually Uh a room referred to as the blue room. And if you got called into the blue room, it was only to be reprimanded like a child. Uh, There was a lot of church member as, as a staff member. Oh, didn't matter at this church. Actually, I wasn't working on the staff. Right. Uh, Right. This this blue room was for a church member to go in and be reprimanded. Absolutely. And usually it had to do with my partner. Now, my partner is, he'll tell you the complete opposite, highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. He is a digger of all truth. He will not be told to do something that's wrong and, and just be okay with that. So there was a, there was many situations where he would say, wait a second, I need you to, I need you to tell me where that's right. I'll do it, but I need to know that's right. So I would get pulled in to correct my partner and be also told, don't tell him. We, okay, if you know anything about my partner, we are both crazy, strong-willed, a little bit obstinate, opinionated people. Mm. Me telling him what he's gonna be doing was definitely not happening for one. But also (laughs) there was no way I would not tell him, you know, that I had been pulled into the room. Usually it was obvious too. almost every person ever walked out of that blue room was crying 
Mm. And it got to the point where there were people within this church that literally, and this is not an exaggeration. I promise you, it sounds crazy, but not an exaggeration. Wouldn't even buy tires for their vehicle without permission, without going in and seeking counsel. And then there was the issue of severe judgment with regards to life and lifestyles. We were told to not associate with friends and family uh, at all. If they didn't belong to the, that specific church, we had to remove them from our lives. Hmm. And, you know, judgment with regards to, I mean, I could go on and on, but pretty much anything you could possibly think of. This and sounds... It, Cult-like? Yes, it does. It does. Okay. And honestly, I don't have a problem referring to that place as a cult. And it's an interesting thing for me because my personality is not really like a sucker because that's what you feel like when you look back on it. And I kind of feel like a sucker Uh, at any rate. So we left this place. It got, it got to enough where we said, that's enough. That's it. I don't want to raise my babies here. And by the time we left, I think we had, I had just given birth to our third. Mm. And so we left and the way this church and similar churches like this work is when you leave, you request a letter of commendation, basically saying, you know, the assumptions are okay. They don't have any major issues. We love them and sending them off in love and blah, blah, blah. We received that letter sent and we took it to this, the next church that we knew we would be going to. It was closer to our home. It was, there was a, there was a plethora of reasons And this letter said all good things within 24 hours of leaving the previous church, they had contacted every member of that assembly, that church and told them they were not allowed to speak to us ever again. Now at that moment, I lost my whole, what felt like my entire life because that church had become my life. I mean, four or five days a week. My very closest friend lived in the same little track of townhomes we lived in. She was told she could not speak to me. They were told some just egregious lies about us. And there was no, I couldn't even defend myself. I was utterly destroyed at Mm. any rate. So you move on and you go to this next assembly. And I say assembly because the type of denomination, they refer to themselves as non-denominational, but they also are kind of an offshoot of what is referred to as brethren. Nowhere near as conservative as a brethren church, but very similar. Right. And so that's why I say assembly, because they refer to themselves as assemblies. Okay. So we, we, we go to this new church. And to be honest, it was nothing like the other one. There are Mm -hmm. people from there that I, you know, I made some friends with, but I never really connected with. And the biggest issue was the constant judgment. It was a constant judging of my appearance, of Mm -hmm. my partner's appearance. Now Mm -hmm. I'm pretty modest, uh, but my partner is big, brown, bald, tattooed. He's an iron worker, the kind of rough guys. And he, you know, doesn't really hold anything back, but he's also the kindest man on the planet. Mm-hmm. However, he was judged Are a you- lot because of his appearance. Okay. Now you said he's brown. Is he African-American or another ethnicity than you? He is a combo. Oh, he's definitely a definite. <laughs> I am as whitey, white, white. So he, <laughs> he is uh, 
uh, Puerto Rican, Filipino, uh, Portuguese, but born and raised in Hawaii. So he's also kind of a local boy mentality mm. and uh, very connected to the island. Still his entire family. Uh, well, most of his entire family is still living there, in fact. So, I, I ask this because there's been a lot of writing about interracial couples mm -hmm. feeling very, very disparaged in the church. And, and, mm -hmm. and of course, you probably heard that expression that said that, you know, Sunday morning is the most, you know, racist time ever, or right. I'm not saying it the correct way, but that's, you mm -hmm. know, a, a quote that we've heard. So that's why I asked you that. It was definitely, and it, being an interracial couple, it's so funny because when you are one, you don't really say that until someone says it to you. Like I have never, even the day I met him, I didn't look at him and be like, there's my interracial partner. You know, it was- I understand. <laughs> I understand because I also am, I'm married to a white man. So yeah. I do understand this. But we have faced issues with the fact that I'm white and he's not since the dawn of our relationship. And mm -hmm. definitely within the church, to be totally honest, I think that I was unaware of a lot of it because I am white and I have this privilege that he didn't have. And part of that privilege was to be ignorant of it. I see a lot now reflecting back, but I do definitely see reflecting back now that there was a lot of situations in every church we had been. And mind you, we weren't like church hoppers. We spent time and involvement with these places. It wasn't just like we went there on a Sunday and we felt crappy and we left. We, there was a lot invested emotionally and physically in these places. But there was definitely an aspect of him being the brown guy. And, and it, what's interesting is even in one of the places that we were at, it was right on the border of Oakland, California, which is known for being an area in California where it is not predominantly white. But still, that church itself, though, had a, a, a pretty high white population. So, I mean, even you know, this is kind of a side note to this day where if we need to move somewhere, the first thing we look for is diversity in the community because we have struggled so many years because of the color of his skin. And I could never ask of him, hey, let's move to a predominantly white area where you're going to feel like crap every day and wonder if you're going to get arrested, pulled over or shot. That sounds fun. No, I'm, you know, we've already done that life. So I'm not doing that anymore because those, that has been our life. Arrested, pulled over, those kind of things have definitely happened. So back to the church. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we were here and it, I just started to fall away, it, even just physically like in attendance. But it was difficult because we were youth leaders. <laughs> so he was there and I had the benefit of being a mom who was either nursing or toddlers because I had so many kids. And at this time I had six kids. By the time we left this church, I had six children. And so I was able to actually say things like, oh, you know, someone was sick or someone was nursing or I can't do that. But in all honesty, the problem that I had was what was happening was, whether it was said or not, a lot of it was unsaid. The judgment was so painfully intense, and I couldn't connect because there was, you have the racial issue, and you can see it, and you can feel it, and you have that issue of where they don't necessarily need to say anything, and they could actually gaslight you. That happened where, oh, why would you say it? Of course we love him. 
no, your behavior is different. That's not, how come you're treating this couple different than you're treating this man? But in addition to that, we were being requested things like, why don't we, we need to get our numbers up. And that, that really bothered me that we, we, we don't have enough being baptized from your group. And that was the junior high kids. And my issue with that was we were establishing a relationship with these kids. In all honesty, our junior hires adored us. They loved coming and spending time with us. And we did not force scripture down their throats. And when are you going to get baptized? And when are you going to, you know, using the terms, like when are you going to give your heart to Jesus? And we didn't do a lot of that. We spoke from the word and we tried to make sure that our lives were something that they could feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And the church didn't like that. They were very bothered with our approach of that. And, mm-hmm. and that bothered me. In addition to that, I have family members that are part of the LGBTQ community. I have family members that are divorced. I have family members that want nothing to do with Christianity. And the only thing they ever felt when they came around that church, or let's say if we had a gathering, was absolute condemnation, segregation, and it, what would happen is, is it would even come back to us later on. You know, you need to correct them. You need to tell them they need to change their lives. And I said, no, 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 that's not my place. My job right now, my responsibility is to love them. I am not the judge of anyone. There is one, and that is not me. My responsibility is to love them mercilessly mm-hmm. and, and, and not to tell them where they need to change because part of the deal with a path that has been created by the divine creator is he knows their path and he tells them their path. You don't tell me their path. I don't know their path. That is not my job. I, my responsibility to, to, is to love them. And that's, what, that's exactly what was not coming across. And so I kind of dwindled away. And then we actually ended up moving out of state. We moved to Hawaii. So when we moved to Hawaii, the relationship with that church specifically just was cut because we were in a, an entirely different state. Mm-hmm. Now, what's happened since then is just a greater understanding, I believe, of who I believe my creator is and my relationship to him. So because of those things and all these years and seeing, you know, simple things like the, you, you mentioned earlier that I don't disparage the Bible and it's actually something we study fairly regularly to be honest, my partner's way better at it pretty much constantly. He's injured out of work for quite some time. So he spends, I'd say 90% of his awake hours studying the word. Mm. And part of what he's studying is actually what the origins of words are in the word. So he's comparing it to the original Hebrew. And when we're finding out that the original Hebrew is very different in comparison to what it was when New King James uh, was written. And when you find out New New King James, actually there was these, I think it was 13 rules that were the translators were to abide by. And so you're finding out, wait a second, this is not what it said. And there was a political motive here. And so now again, it's not to disparage the word because I do believe it's true, but I need to make sure I'm understanding its truth entirely. And so when I am gaining some understanding with regards to these things, these are not things that I was taught in church. And if 
if anything, these were things that I was told to quit looking into. Now, for your listeners, because I'm sure you have a large listener group that is probably Christian and, 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 in the, and in the church, and I totally understand that. And I know a lot of people have said, well, maybe you just didn't find the right church or you didn't find the right Christians. And, you know, maybe that's the truth. I cannot say that every Christian is bad and every church is bad. I was going to say that would be challenging for you, particularly since you enjoy a more traditional ritualistic program, let's say, mm-hmm. you usually are not going to find a, well, I shouldn't say not, never, but I think it would be challenging to find a, a traditional ritualistic program with the more progressive views of mm-hmm. perhaps some of the non-denominational churches that will have like the music and the band and everything. Mm-hmm. That would be very challenging for you. Oh, it absolutely could be. And what's crazy is I love to have these conversations. I am a giant goofball and I do crazy things. If you have seven children, if you don't have a sense of humor, I don't know how you're surviving. And so that's my, you know, that's, that's my drug of choice. But that aside, I am a deep thinker. I love conversations like this where we can dig and where, you know, they can be opposing opinions and they can come, we can come together and maybe gain some mutual understanding or maybe mm-hmm. not and still walk away and have a cup of coffee, glass of wine, whatever it is, and still love one another. It's just for me, what I have found is that I cannot be part of that anymore. And that doesn't mean everybody else needs to follow suit because I love you no matter what. You know, it's just that what I have found for myself and for my family is to find the truth. I wasn't finding it there. And if anything, I was, fall- I was finding false religion. And, and it, it's only, honestly, with the state of the nation right now, it is only for me made it more solid in a sense. Because when I'm seeing this, and I'll get texts from different family members. Did you hear this? Did you hear that? That, you know, and... And I'm like, wait a second, you're a part of the church, which can we please all just for a moment, take a break and just say the church is not a building. I, I hope everybody realizes that. Uh, I can, I am, I am part of this. I am this Corey right here. You can't see my hands waving all over my body, but <laughs> I am, I am the church. You know, we are the church. It is, has nothing to do with a location. And, and so for myself, I have had to remove those terms I've had to remove that association because there are many people that I love that because of those terms, because of that association, because of the vile nature we are seeing in this nation right now, if anything, it made them hate viciously because they were being hated just for who they are, just for what they partake in. I was hated because my, I'm sorry, let's start back. Actually, my partner was hated because of his tattoos. And I knew that when I got my first tattoo, because I have a, a few of them, I would be hated by some of these people. And I thought, how ridiculous. So, you know, the one thing that, that I'm sad about is, you know, there are people in, and I'm doing air quotes, quote unquote, the church, who need to hear you, you know, who need, who need I mean, I, I'm sorry that you're not there as a resource, right? I mean, you totally got to do what you got to do. But I think that there are probably a lot of people um, who, ha- who feel some kind of disconnection with the church and don't know what to do about it. And it would be great, I think, if they had someone 
in the church to talk to. But of course, hey, you're but you are there because you're a podcaster. <laughs> Um, so, so what I want to kind of touch on now is, so what can people who are in the church and people who are not in the church, what can they learn from each other? Because I, I think this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I see, I see your points in many ways. Mm-hmm. I am a Christian. I'm comfortable going to church and that's my business as Tabitha right. Brown was saying. I was going to say <laughs> um, Tabitha Brown. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause that's my business and, yeah. <laughs> and you, and you have your business, but, but I think this is a great conversation. Um, and of course there are interfaith groups, which is still, you know, in the church, but there's mm-hmm. interfaith groups mm-hmm. who do talk right. And to, mm-hmm. and who share a lot of information. So what can people who are in the church who still are in the church, but, and there are people who are outside the church, what can they, what can they learn from each other? I think the biggest thing actually has to start within the church and your faith before you can make an attempt to understand or, you know, quote unquote, educate those outside of it. Recently, someone asked me if the church needs to get on their game for reconciliation with regards to the nation, to black people, uh, the prison system, the LGBTQ community. And the first thing I said was, they have to stop regulating everyone. It Mm -hmm. is not the church's responsibility to regulate a person's soul, their life, you know, what they do, what they think. And I think that even sometimes without even recognizing there is a regulation, there is a judgment, there is that I, and you will not get through the wall of someone outside of the church unless you stop regulating them. They have to know that that in all sincerity, without tokenism, you know, because there's that, you talk about tokenism within, with regards to relationships uh, with white and black people and anti-racism. You talk about tokenism with regards to the LGBTQ community. You cannot tokenize a person. Someone who is coming from those marginalized groups knows immediately when you are tokenizing them. It is fully aware. And Mm -hmm. so myself being outside of the church, you know, I'm not, I'm a woman, so I'm part of that marginalized group, but I have, I'm a, you know, I'm a white privileged woman. I'm fully aware of that, but I notice it, you know, right away when I'm being tokenized. Oh, Corey, you know, we need to pray for her. No, stop. You need to love me, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with, with no barriers. And that includes loving the things that you believe that are different from the way you live your life. And so the thing is, is the reason why I say that is, is you never know what the path is that the creator has this person on. And it is not your job to step in and say, no, 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 this is your path. That's not your job. They need to find their path. So if anything, if you want to encourage them is, hey, find your path. What can I do besides judgment and telling them, oh, you need to stop doing these things. You need to stop doing these things. And you need to change who you are to suit my agenda or my comfort, because that's not how it works. And they'll never be there. They'll never be there. Yeah. Corey, I have a couple of questions for you. Sure. Do you have a favorite scripture verse or inspirational quotation? But, but since I know that you are in the Bible, let's try to see if you can find a verse that brings you joy. I do. And I, it's been a favorite portion for many years. And so it's not one verse, it's a portion. Um, do you want me to read it? Yes. Okay. It's Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. And even starting to read it, I get chills. Anyhow, it says, do you not know 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And to this day, for many, many years, that has been like my power verse, if you, you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, I don't read a lot of scripture like I used to. And that is more because I'm trying to find out who I am as well as seeking him in a way that is a little bit more spiritual. And in addition to that, I do believe there is some truth to other beliefs. Growing up in the Christian church, you're told that a lot of different religions that are not Christianity are wrong or a lie or you know from Satan. And I believe there's some truth to all of them. I'm not going to say that I believe everything that they believe or do or whatever, but when you look at different religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and even, um, you know, the uh, Islam and things like that, there's, there's a, a thread that runs through that we have a creator that we are connected, that we are connected across the world. Each of us are connected and that we have a responsibility to one another. And so those types of things, when I see that in other religions, I'm like, how, who can argue with that? I can't argue with those things. You, when you were reading Isaiah, and, and I've, I've, been, I've been writing out Isaiah, actually doing some scripture writing. He was talking to the leaders, but he was, he was basically also talking to the people who were, who were misbehaving, for sure, mm-hmm. and telling them that, you know, that God is, is our God and you're going to have to suffer because you've been misbehaving, but it's going to, but there's still hope. There's It's going to be okay, but you're going to have to suffer. You said you got chills mm-hmm. just reading that. Do you feel like there's anything that you lost in leaving? Initially? Yes. I was devastated because remember earlier I said, I kind of felt like a sucker. And I lost friendships, but in all honesty, they weren't really friendships. If that was, if it was that easy to get rid of me, then there, Mm -hmm. there was that, there wasn't friendship there. Um, I felt like I lost years and that's what was hard is I felt like I lost years. I can look back now though. And I see, no, that was a lesson that was, you can look at it as a, a, a failing. You can look at it as a a painful time, a struggle. And only the only thing that comes out of failures and struggles and pains is growth. Mm -hmm. And so I have definitely grown and I feel like sometimes physically even free. I am that is such a freeing feeling and it's not free. Like, Oh, I'm going to run a while, run around wild and do crazy things. I mean, there are some things I do now that I didn't do then because I was afraid that I'd get in trouble and I was a grown up. but you know, it's, it's so freeing. I feel like I can finally see who I am, who I am supposed to be. And I can, I can, it's like, I can find the path. I couldn't find it before because there was so much in front of it. 
And so now I can find it. That doesn't mean I'm like evolved and I have arrived. You know, it is, it, like I said, it's fluid. It changes. There's new things that come and new understandings. And this, this path I've been on, I've only been on for, mm, I would say maybe eight to 10 years, but the first three or four years was a big, like, what the heck, you know, and it was traumatic and it was, it was painful. And our, my relationship with my partner went through some horrific things. And, you know, so, but that even through all of that, there's something my partner says all the time. It makes me a little bit crazy, quite honestly, but he always, if you ask him, Hey, how are you doing? He'll say, uh, better than ever. And he says that every day. And he says, every day is better than the, the day before. I'm better than ever. I'm better than ever. I'm like, gosh, I just, I don't believe you. <laughs> but he says, <laughs> it, but it's the truth. When I really sit and reflect, he says that, you know, one moment ago, I, for one, I'm, you know, I'm still here. He said, but one moment ago, up until now, you know, I've learned something new. There's been something new. There's been something greater, whether it's been here with me or across the nation or across the world. There's, there's something perfect and it's something better. So I am better than ever. And wow. so I can appreciate that even though it makes me absolutely nuts. Cause I'm like, I want juicy details. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great perspective to have. And we may have to have him on the show sometime. <laughs> oh boy. He's a talker. <laughs> so this, this path that you've been on, what do you think the creator has shown you or is showing you? Oh gosh. <sighs> I'm trying to narrow it down. I think if anything, it is freedom. That freedom is not what I thought it was. Freedom is not oppressed by somebody else's ideals and opinions and judgments. That there is freedom and it doesn't look like what I thought it did for so many years. Because that was terrifying. If that was freedom, I'd never felt free. And so one thing, one of the biggest things is freedom. But the other thing is, is that it's okay to find out who you are and take time for yourself. And that as a mom sometimes is really, really difficult. But finding out who I am and realizing it's okay if one day it feels like one thing and the next day it feels like another. And that that's okay because that's part of this process. That's part of this path and journey. Um, so those two things are probably really poignant in when I consider that. Mm. Thank you so much, Corey. Mm. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for being so open and, and willing and free to talk about, I, I think, a, a topic that probably a lot of people in the church do want to talk about, but can't. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and you talk, you open this conversation with love and Jesus, Jesus preaches love. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, and I, and I agree with you, love and freedom, um, are the, the number one and the number two for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and that's all, that's all in the Bible as well. Um, so, so I thank you for, for being here and for being open with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you opening up this. I know it's not a topic everybody likes to talk about and I'm free to talk to anybody who wants to talk about it. I have no problem I have no uh no closed books I would have to say I'm pretty open you've been listening to Positively Joy I'm your host Yvette Walker and thank you so much for spending some time with us come on over to our website positivelyjoy.com you can listen to past episodes 
You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy, see our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.